0: Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Chinese Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at show at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go ahead and support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Alright, things are cooking with Orion. Uh, so, he's uh, off to try and save the princess. And uh, also, uh, Grimmolt took the dagger and the remote control from him. Uh, if that all sounds confusing to you, you might want to go back and uh, listen to the other Orions and come back to this point. Luckily, they're all marked, so, you know, you could probably look for them on the RPA app by going, typing Orion or uh, a website or whatnot. And anyways, enjoy the show. The run through the woods was now the most exhilarating moment of life to, again. The runs had been getting a little tedious before this. Knowing to be my last time made me enjoy every moment much more. The sound of the forest were quite familiar because I had spent so much time there. The smell of the cedar trees was something I would not forget. I bounded through the woods and made it into the clearing. Up ahead, high on a hill, was a dinky little keep with a small town surrounding it. I decided to cut through the forest until the wall of the city I climbed to the top. When I was near the top, the guard walked out of the tower and stopped right over the shaft as usual. I continued to climb. He pulled a flask from his pocket and took a sip. He leaned over to the edge of the parapet and looked out into the horizon. I popped my head over the top and startled him. He stumbled backward, dropped his flask. It poured out in a flood of booze. I ignored him and hoisted myself up. I was about to turn and suggest a uniform swap when he pushed me over the edge and dangled me by one arm. "'Where's the dagger?' the voice said. It wasn't the card. It was Stabby. "'I told you I don't know,' I said. "'What do you mean you told me?' "'Back at my house. Stop playing games with me. "'If I let you go, you'll break every bone in your body, but you won't die. "'You'll just sit there, unconscious and aware, "'but unable to do anything until your bones turn to dust.' "'Dude, we've been over this,' I said.' If you don't get the dagger back, I'll just run out there, blah, 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 blah. He dragged me back over the edge and set me down. Stabby was wearing the drunken guard's uniform. I'd have to be more wary of the people around me. Uh, when did I speak to you? Stabby asked. My father's house last night. He tried to kill me, so I killed you first. I don't remember that. What's the last thing you remember? You killed me and took my dagger. It seemed that I had the advantage over Stabby, after all. I shrugged and said, Sorry, bro. I punched Stabby in the throat. He choked and fell to his knees. He wouldn't die, but it'd be painful to breathe for a while. While I was still too shocked to do anything, I used my clothes to tie him up. While I undressed him, he tried to convince me of how necessary he was to my existence. I ignored it and eventually had a full guard uniform. Unfortunately... For him, I had used all my clothes to tie him up, and when I was ready to go to town, I left him at the castle wall, nude. He wasn't pleased, but I didn't care. The next phase of my life was pretty standard. I gathered all the stuff I needed to get inside the drinking tent and continue to entertain the nobles. I didn't want to make the wager too early because I didn't want Grimalt to know that I was interested in the dagger and the remote. The bet needed to seem like an afterthought and not a prize. I had beaten my 31st night when I went back into my tent to change for the upcoming socialization. As I crossed the threshold, another fist swiped at me. But I was on guard. I dodged it and grabbed the assailant. I thrust him to the ground and pulled my sword. It was stabby. Where's my? I muffled him with a wadded up shirt. I tied him and put him in the corner. He struggled and made a racket. I clunked him over the head for good measure. From the look of it, Stabby possessed one of the knights, number forty-seven, I think, Sir Percival. This situation wasn't good. If Grimalt found out I was stashing one of the knights in my tent, I'd go to the dungeon for sure. I considered skipping one of the sessions inside the so- so- socialization tent, I dismissed the idea right away. Between night thirty-one and night thirty-two, I thwarted Grimalt's attempt to convince two knights that I was a threat. If I failed to stop his plan, the knights would corner me in my tent and, after fight 56 and break my legs. I was about to panic when I heard the princess outside the tent. Percival, Percival, is everything okay? I dumped my dirty laundry over Stabby. He looked like a dorm room at the end of the semester. I was putting on the finishing touches when Princess entered the tent. Oh, hey princess, I said standing in front of the laundry pile. Don't be embarrassed. My father's clothing is far worse and far more rank," the princess said as she turned towards my sword and armor. Mm. A stab, he said, and I kicked him in the head. Princess turned back around and said, I beg your pardon? Uh, I was only <laughs> saying how delighted I am to be graced by your presence, I told her, and I yours. You didn't happen to see Sir Percival pass this way, did you? milady?" can't say that I did. I saw him enter the tent not moments ago. Oh, that, Sir Percival, um, you didn't hear this from me, but he's avoiding you. Avoiding me? He snuck out the back and begged me not to tell you. So you're breaking his trust and your oath by telling me? She had me there. I couldn't tell her truth, because it would be worse than the tarnish on my honor. I, um, I stammered. I haven't been honorable myself, Princess said. Oh? You see, the reason Sir Percival was in your tent was I sent him to spy on you. Spy on me? You see, Orion, I don't know if you feel this too, but I believe in love at first sight. And ever since you fell in front of my caravan, I cannot help think of you. I love receiving validation. I hated being tongue-tied. I, um... I know you may not feel it too. But I hope it's you that wins the tournament." I had so many fantasies about what I'd do with the princess if I ever won, but now I locked up while she advanced towards me. She continued, I heard that in Roman times, maidens would visit their beloveds in the tents on the eve of battle. Those who received a visit would fight harder the next day. I thought of Aurelius and his harem. The guy wasn't going to do any fighting anytime soon. He hung out all day eating peeled grapes and watching other people die for him. Before I could correct her knowledge of Roman history, she planted a kiss on my lips. It was the most beautiful moment of any of my lives. It was what I had been fighting for. Life after life, my existence finally meant something. But right in the middle of it, I felt a bristle on my face. Her chin was like sandpaper. Did Princess have a beard? I pulled away, and it was Stabby. Where's my dagger? I spat and pulled out my sword. I said, no, no, please. You could have waited one more moment. Oh, come on. You aren't that bad of a kisser. I look good in this dress, Stabby grinned. I'll I'll find you a host body. Leave the princess out of this. Host body? How many times have I come back? I scattered the laundry pile to reveal Percival. He was tied as I left him, however, his neck was bent at an awkward angle. Crap, when I kicked him, I must have broken his neck. I was doing terribly at this no-killing policy. Uh, this is your fourth, I said. You assaulted me last night, you took over a guard on my way into the city, you hijacked this poor sucker's soul, and uh, now you're the princess. Well, crap, he said. That means I'm replicating. Replicating? What are you, some sort of clone? Right a way, I'm programmed to... Replicate when I perceive a threat. Let me guess. I said, the missing dagger is a threat. It, it, it's an inconvenience at most. Keep in mind, I cannot outlive anyone in this world. To get the dagger back, all I need to do is outlive the person who stole it and take it from their corpse. Then I could find wherever you're riding away and send you on to the next life. So why you're so frantic to get it back? I said, it hurts not to have it. The dagger's part of me, but. That still doesn't explain why I'm replicating. I, I usually can't appear back in the world until I sense you're dying. Yeah, 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 like a shark can smell blood in the water. We went over this before. What are you, a robot sent back in time to kill me? Like the Terminator? Uh, I don't have that as many muscles as Arnold. Though I did use him as a host body once. You- Enough, I said. Before I send you to another host body, I brandish my weapon. We both know you won't do that while I'm your beloved princess. Now, I could relinquish this body back to the original owner and they'll be unaware I was ever here. What I need from you is help finding the dagger." I was pretty much screwed. Since I had missed the time in the social tent, Grimalt, no doubt had already convinced the two knights to break my legs after battle 56. However, that didn't matter because my 47th opponent was dead in the tent. A fact that Grimwald would no doubt discover. While I could probably last a few more bottles, there wasn't any way to predict what would happen next. The chances of me getting the drop on Stabby in a future life were pretty slim. He knew I took the dagger and he'd be wary. However, I cared more about the remote than the blade anyway. Hopefully Stabby would be too focused on his precious little weapon and I could slip away with the remote. I agree to help Stabby and I, for the first time in many lives, have become teammates. All right, thank you for listening. That's all you get today. I was going to go on and record a little bit more in this chapter. It's a really long chapter, but uh, I decided to stop there because it's a nice little cliffhanger. I know, I know, cliffhangers are these completely manufactured uh, points in the story to get you to want to listen to it more. But for me, it's it's part of the fun of listening, right? If you end at a point where, you know, you kind of know what's going to happen next, it's not as fun as, like, wondering what's going to happen next. Now you have a whole week to think about it, right? That's fun, huh? Or if you can't wait, the the book's already out, the, uh, the the you know, audiobook's already out. So uh, generally speaking, I try and read uh, stuff that already exists in the world on this podcast just uh, just for those that can't wait and, and just want to know right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's about it. Tune in next week, and we got lots of other fun stuff on the Real Paranormal Activity Network. Thank you, and beware of people trying to stab you in the eye.